Uh, well, I guess we should get started. I apologize in advance. I'm just not feeling very uh, fast today. So That's okay. Well. Maybe yeah. people will be able to understand what we're saying because we talk really fast. No, people need to talk faster. This is. I, I know, I know, I know. Uh. But I mean, today this one's for the people. Hmm. All right, we'll give them this. But that's it. No more. Usually we're uncompromising artists, but today it's just a talk podcast. It's the Doom to Fail podcast. My name is Tim Dobbs. With me, as ever, through the internet, it's Catherine Kogert. Hey, Hello. good to be here. Oh, it's so it's so great to see you. Every week, it's great to see you, and I hope the listeners feel the same. They don't see me. You're the only one who sees me via well, they this could, video they chat. They could be seeing you. I mean, maybe they're very advanced stalkers. Well, kudos to, to them. They disguise themselves as, as uh, Seriously, if you have the dedication shirt. to stalk me, I, I mean, kudos. Yeah, at a certain point, you just I mean, you, you can't be upset. Like, I can barely consistently follow a blog, let alone stalk somebody. <laughs> well, that's why we have RSS. <laughs> Does it for you. Really simple stalkerfication. <laughs> that's, that's what RSS is. It's a service Stalkification! Oh my goodness, that's you a delightful You drop the names word. of the people you want to be creepy about onto, a, onto the list, and it just auto-updates. Oh man, uh, this is, this is the, the greatest app, app called... idea ever. The app is called MyStock. MyStock. Mm, maybe. Um, we can work we'll, on we'll it. We'll work that shit. Well, well let's blue sky out. this thing later. Yeah. Um, no, but, oh man, you could actually do this and it'd be super creepy. It's just an app that agglomerates everyone's check-ins everywhere, all the voluntary data. And yeah. And then, uh, bam, you're stalking them. It's happening. They're MySpaces, they're Foursquares, they're Bebos. They're uh, uh, Orcuts. Um Really popular in Brazil, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. What's the What's the Chinese Twitter? Uh, Weibo. Weibo. They're Weibos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we get on Weibo? Is that a thing? We could we have like a doomed to fail Weibo account? I don't think we can. I don't think we're allowed to. No. Oh, okay. I think it. Yeah, it's past the the Great Firewall of China, as they're mm. calling it these days. That's what you're calling it. No. It, For the purpose of this conversation, you are they, and I am me. Okay. Fair. Okay. So, this week, uh, they are going to tell us all about Film Noir. Yeah. It was a dark and spooky podcast. Oh, I've been goodness. sitting in my recording closet for hours just drinking whiskey until a leggy dame named Catherine Kogert came in and told me all about Film Noir. Okay. How was that? Uh, was that? Is that at all close? That was pretty close. Oh, um, you know what's weird, though? I, I like went on a binge a few years ago and tried to watch every Film Noir like film I could and none of the iconic film noirs have narration have like internal monologues oh interesting yeah I don't know where that comes from I keep trying to figure out what's the root of that and I can't figure it out well, maybe it's detective novels what do you think about that I'm sure it's it's yeah because film noir is totally comes from the hard-boiled crime novels along with some other film movement movements we can talk about but mm. Well, so I mean, that's a great place to start. What, what, where is this film noir thing even coming from? Okay, um, so film noir actually comes from uh, European film movement. It's German expressionism, which is known for really harsh lighting, um, really stark whites and stark blacks next to each other, and lots hmm. and lots of Dutch angles. That's, okay, uh, 
first things first, I want to get back to Dutch angles because that yeah. seems like a uh, glossary term we're going to need later. Yeah. Um, but expressionism, um, I'm not well versed in the visual arts at all, but I guess I always thought of expressionism as sort of playing with light. Is that is that right? Like as far as painting goes? Um, well, impressionism is playing with impression- light. Sorry, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So wh- why is lots of stark color contrast expressionism? You know, I'm not, light on that? I'm not really so sure. Yeah, expressionism, it's honestly just like a glossary term that I memorized hmm. at some point. Or German expressionism, specifically. Right. Um, but it seems Long like a pretty struggle. vague term that you could apply to a lot of different stuff. Yeah, this podcast is an exercise in expressionism. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stark uh, contrasts. Um, Dutch I angles. I have a deeper voice, you have a less deep voice. There's some <laughs> audio Dutch angles. <laughs> I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of a Dutch angle is like where you kilt the camera kind of slightly to the one one side and then everything is off by a little bit. I will explain that a little deeper. So so you're saying is, is the idea that there is a natural focus to the scene. Say there's two people talking and one's going to be kind of left of the screen and one's on the right of the center of the screen. And that would be the natural focus is sort of right in between them. But instead, you shift the focus to the left or right so that someone is not quite in frame or something. Or is no, it no, no, not okay. so much that. That's uh, yeah, that's just a home movie. But uh, <laughs> don't, don't criticize my movies. I work very hard on those. <laughs> Dutch angle is specifically about the angle of the camera on, I would guess, like the X Y axis. Okay, so so sense. the bottom of the the As bottom of the screen the is not axis. aligned with the horizon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, so it gives you this sort of, uh, it kind of throws your brain for a loop, right? You immediately, as the viewer, feel like a sense of unease, like something is mm. off here, something is wrong. Um, right. So it's a pretty useful technique as a filmmaker. It would be like if you woke up and um, you were sideways. This sounds like the beginning of a children's book. <laughs> Little Donnie J woke up sideways. Or like a... um. Uh, like a magic realist uh, short story. Oh yeah. He woke up that morning and the, the earth was sideways. Yeah. He went to his his yeah. I'm I'm not gonna keep trying to go on this. We don't need to uh, to harm the spirit of Gabriel Garcia Marquez any further. <laughs> not on this Aww. podcast. Not on this podcast. Don't Ooh, drive that's a like good my name brother. for a podcast. Um. So, um, okay, so it comes out of German expressionism. So there is all these these Germans in uh, what time frame? This is uh, 1920s, 1930s. Okay. And so it really ramps world... up in the 30s. And I would say the poster child director mm-hmm. for uh, German Expressionism is Fritz Lang. who oh, That's a familiar name. Yeah. He made a lot of German films in the 30s. He then did he make moved Metropolis? To... Yes. He did Metropolis. Okay. That's why I know it. Yeah. Back in the silent film era. And then as his career progressed, he got really into those like stark contrasts and Dutch angles. Um, mm. There's one film I'm thinking of in particular. It'll come to me, I'm sure. But uh, so he gets really into that sort of thing. He moves to the U.S. He immigrates to the U.S. and then sort of brings that to Hollywood. It gets super popular. And at the time, simultaneously, there's all these uh, hard-boiled detective novels. So mm-hmm. investors in Hollywood are like, we should make this into a movie. And the directors are like, as long as I can be an artist about it, sure, man. <laughs> this was a time where that was a discussion you could actually have <laughs> yeah yeah um. all right well that that sounds like a great place to uh take us for a quick break here because i'm curious so now it sounds like it's, it's sort of americanizing and um 
and I always associate the hard-boiled genre with uh, Los Angeles. And so uh, perhaps we could talk about that right after the break? Sure. All right. We'll All be back right. in a moment mm. on the Dune to Fail podcast. I'm so mm. glad we get that mm. in there. talking about film noir so so we were talking about um well i brought up this this idea in my head i have a very strong association with noir and los angeles um and i guess the the conclusion i was leaping to um was that because fritz lang moved to la the the heart of the movie era that's sort of where it entered the popular consciousness i mean what do you think of that i mean the reason he moved to la is because that's where hollywood was and he Mm -hmm. was a filmmaker so i mean where else is he gonna move uh no wisconsin wisconsin uh (laughs) toronto it um, it made the most sense for him if he wanted to move to the u.s Uh, i guess i'm disappointed in this fritz lang Jumping on, jumping on board. He's a real uh, uh, bandwagoner. By the way, the Fritz Lang film I was thinking of was Fury, and it was his first American film. And uh, so it angry. wasn't really a film noir, but it definitely was German expressionism in an American setting. Hmm. Well, first off, I'm back on, I'm back on the Fritz Lang um, okay. bandwagon. Hmm, <laughs> that's weird. I just accused him of bandwagoning. Anyway, um, <laughs> he because... He, he clearly was so angry about this move that he made a film called Fury. What was it about? If it, I Fury, mean, it, it is actually a, a movie about the justice system in the U.S. Hmm. and how totally messed up it is. Um, and m- the, mob menta- ma- the, the, the mob mentality in the U.S., um, the plot is that there's a man who I believe he's going to meet his fiance and get married. Like, he's like finally driving up to meet her and those crazy kids are going to get hitched. He is stopped on the way by a policeman and then it turns into him being accused of a murder he didn't commit um, mm. and he's like, he's like, starts out as this like paragon of justice and like goodness and then as he like goes through the justice system he just kind of tanks and I think eventually he kills somebody because he's just well, like, sure. fuck this! You have to. You yeah. Have to. Yeah. So I... How often have you been accused of a murder you didn't commit? Because it seems like it happens an awful lot in movies. <laughs> I th- I would say the ratio to murders you didn't commit in mo- in movies is far greater than real life. Mm. Seems about right. Let's see. What other ones do we have? Uh, there's Fury. There's another one that's famous. There's another one that's famous. There's okay. Wait. So so, so he moves to he moves to Los Angeles because that's where movies are. But then he's also bringing this idea of um, German expressionism, and I mean, I guess we're back to. I feel like the the crux of the question was like, oh, is it is it the melding of these two things that really brings it into the popular consciousness? I guess. Oh, let's go. Let's go back a little further here. To your to your studied eye, is is film noir a thing that happens 
in Los Angeles more than other places, or is that just something I've made up because of that video game L.A. Noir? You mean the setting? Yes, as far as the setting. I mean, I would say, okay. It does happen a lot in neo-noir in L.A. Mm. Is that like Blade Runner? <laughs> Where are we going with this? Blade Runner, I think, Blade Runner was filmed in L.A., and I believe it's set in future L.A., and that's tech noir. Yes. That's a totally different thing. Okay. Neo noir well, is too like far ahead of ourselves. Chinatown and L.A. Confidential. Um, mm-hmm. That's neo noir. Who um, friend Roger Rabbit? Yeah. Cartoon noir. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And those um, are like oh, there's a lot of neo noir set in L.A. Um, I would say that like noir itself could take place. There's a lot of noir in like foreign countries because there's a sense of otherness that alienates like the main character who's usually like a hard-boiled American who's like dude I don't know what's going on which that's actually a really important aspect of film noir is that the main character is always a bumbling fool who has no idea just how deep in he's gotten himself until it's Mm. too late I see. Um, usually with the help of the femme fatale who leads him down the path right as they would Mm -hmm. um Okay, so we've got uh, we've got Fritz Lang. He's brought his German expressionism, his Dutch angles, to the the majestic hills of Los Angeles County. Uh, he's in Hollywood making big budget pictures. He's got people telling him like, "Hey, get check out these hardboiled detective novels that are selling for a dime, a whole dime." <laughs> in nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, nineteen thirty five, late nineteen thirties. Okay, and uh, so let's see what the Great Depression is kind of finally swinging around. Yeah. Um, and World War Two happens. World War Two, okay, and That's and so somehow all these uh, these ingredients go into the mixing bowl, and we get film noir. So so uh, you know what is that? <laughs> what how do, how did all these things? Uh... So I would say okay, probably hard boiled detective novels were like a little bit more bubblegum, and then mm-hmm. World War Two happened, and then they take this darker turn, and then that gets reflected in the films pretty quickly. Or else they were a bubblegum kind of novel, and then they get this really dark element weaved into them uh, once they become a film. So both those things kind of happen. And I think that's because there's a sense of alienation of like, boy, we just had a second war with all of like the whole planet was mad at each other. Mm. Can we really live together in harmony? Like, can we really make this whole thing called civilization work? Huh. Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting because um, I guess I would associate that more closely. Uh, is, it, it seems to me that you're talking about a individual who's bumbling through and feels alienated. And I guess, I mean, it's it's wholly propaganda because I have nothing else to go off of. But I always think of World War II as a much more you know unified front where perhaps the U.S. feels alienated against much of the world, but not necessarily on an individual level. I associate that, you know, as far as our wars to uh, personal... Um, personal grief analogies go. I associate that with a uh, 1970s kind of, um, well, 1960s um, Vietnam era kind of thing. Personal yeah. alienation. Yeah, I think the the subtle difference there is that there's um, in the 1970s with Watergate, there's a distrust uh, against authority that mm. you see kind of pop up really commonly. Um, whereas in film noir, it's not so much a distrust. Like, the bad guys are bad guys. Like, there's mob people, and those are bad guys, and those are known quantities. But right. there's just sort of a an unease of, like, you don't really belong here. Mm. Something of a Dutch angle of your life. Yeah. 
and it's yeah, it's really an appropriate place for the Dutch angle to live. <laughs> it's the one, it's the one technical aspect I've learned about this, and I'm just gonna keep bringing it up. Okay, so that's so so basically the pitch on a film noir. Uh, if we were to give the the most basic version of it, is bumbling hero doesn't totally understand uh, crazy femme fatale and uh, massive conspiracy full of legitimately evil guys who are, uh, are more than the the good guy can actually handle. Is that yeah. is that a fair yeah, summation? Yeah, that's an accurate summary of every film noir movie. <laughs> good. I feel like I've learned something here. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, that makes it a great time to uh, move on ahead to our third segment in which we will continue doing the same thing, talking about film noir in a moment. podcast talking about film noir so i feel like we've covered i don't know i feel like i, I have the gist of what this thing is uh we didn't quite get into techno techno noir neo noir um cartoon noir uh <laughs> spanish noir um we didn't get into so any much of those. noir um i would say one of the biggest artistic things that comes out of noir is uh france the french new wave film movement okay which is like a super artistic paragon that's where uh Godard, the director, comes out of. You know, he's a the French director, New Wave. Sure. Yeah, what's what's his first name? Joseph uh, is Godard. Is Jean Luc? Is that Jean Luc Godard? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, my talent for just remembering names and nothing else about it really shines here. <laughs> he is a French director, um, and he is really inspired by uh, noir films and specifically Humphrey Bogart. Huh. You look at like all of his protagonists in his new waviest films, and they are just Humphrey Bogart ripoffs. Mm, well, do we do we have time for a very quick summation of what new wave is? Because I don't think I'm actually like I can I have I have some yeah. images in my head. It's but, like... a little bit harder to explain here. Okay. Um... Well, the people are busy. We we don't have to go too deep into it. Uh, it's French. Yeah, it's it's a and French it's film. Exciting. It's. <laughs> It's, um, I don't even, it's really artsy is the thing. That's why I'm having such a hard time describing it. It's like, it's usually in black and white. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, it actually there, that's where I saw some internal monologues was in a a French new wave film actually. And so I, I don't know where these internal monologues are coming from in the film noir, other than uh, like the dime novels written in the first person. Right. Well, perhaps yeah, perhaps it is the new wave. I mean, it's 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 a good um. That we, I mean, if if the idea of this this whole genre is somewhat to sort of represent this yeah this alienation in a, a big world you don't understand, what way to what better way to put the viewer in the mindset of the hero, uh, who is sort of against the entire other? You are the they in this podcast, remember. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then do ha- include an internal monologue. That makes sense to me. I don't know. I get it. No, I think you're right. I understand um, this. I don't know what you don't. 
I'm just having a really, I have a really hard time wrapping my head around film noir because, or not film noir, but French New Wave, because mm-hmm. it's so, it's it's pretty out there. If you watch it, there's, like, they, they, they make some artsy moves, which I have a hard time categorizing with my engineering brain. Right. Well, sounds like a sounds like a topic for another episode, perhaps. Uh, perhaps yeah, then. give me some time to get comfortable with French yeah. New Wave. <laughs> Once we've done the the brain wrap, where we've wrapped our brain around it. <laughs> um, well, so you, you know, you said when we brought up this topic, you were like, "Oh, that's very interesting. I really like this stuff." Uh, I'm curious, what 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 do you think? Um, why? why I know why I, I film noir really appeals to me, but why does it appeal to you? What what do you think you really like about it? I, I, I mean, it, it's it's mysterious. It draws you in, mm-hmm. just like with nature of like. There's people whispering to each other. When you hear people whispering, you naturally listen harder to like try and pick out what they're saying. I mean, it's like a a film movement that's entirely people whispering to each other that makes you want to lean in and figure out why are they whispering? Oh, What's happening? It's like how you get babies <laughs> to stop crying. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I buy that. That's interesting. Okay, so so you you find the it taps that's the center the of your brain. That's the second time this weekend somebody compared me to a baby. By the way, well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I yeah. Somebody said that. Oh, so it's basically like keys jangling in front of you, and that just that works for you. <laughs> what was that about? Uh, I was a comedian, and he was like having a a weird set, not a bad set, but a weird set. And after the show, I was like, I really liked your set because you were pacing around so much. I really enjoyed that. Like when you didn't know where you were going with a thought, the pacing really distracted me. And he's like, oh, like he's jangling in front of a baby. Mm, that's great. It's really great when you're talking with someone and you just actually I do this all the time. I like accidentally insult them. I'm trying to make a joke, but the joke sort of. I think he turned easy. it into an insult personally. You, just, you were like, yeah, keys, man. Bring me bring on the keys. I keys feel like it's whisper, an insult towards whisper. me for having the maturity of a baby. <laughs> oh. um, but that's okay. We're cool. We talked the next day. It was all that's right. Good. You had a discussion. When you talked about baby keys, it really hurt my feelings, and I cried, but then someone whispered, so I calmed down because I wanted to hear them. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, no, I, th- I, think I, I think I feel the same way about film noir. I think, I think, yeah, the mystery, the suggestion that there's something very big and deep going on here... Um, you know that 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 really uh really tunes my piano. Um, it it it's it's the harmonic wave of my soul. It's that it just it accelerates and uh, uh amplifies <laughs> and all my uh my lingering assertions that there really is something bigger going on in the world is is really amplified by film noir. And also, I really identify yeah, with I a bumbling person who has no idea what's going on in the world. Oh yeah, I think that's a huge element of this. It's that might actually be because one question I was going to ask you is why on earth has this thing like like persisted like and branched out into neo-noir and tech-noir and like we mm-hmm. insist on keep bringing up continuing to bring up these themes like <laughs> literature is like obsessed with like continuing to continue film noir tropes and develop them um, and I think that might be it is because the main character is always a bumbling fool who like doesn't really know what's going on and that's that's uh that's all of us I think yeah I think we all feel like that um yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, that's why it really appeals to me. In any any work of art where the the main character is just like basically a uh, banality of evil and a bumbling protagonist. That's those are my two kind of go tos. Yeah, uh, I see that's a how lot the world of, basically seems. Boring I see a lot of film noir computer. integrated into like uh, science fiction nowadays, 
Or like there's always like a token like film noir episode of something mm. like TV. And I wonder if that's a, a reaction to um, uh, not really 9-11, but like uh, ongoing like fear of terrorism. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because it, it suggests a uh, a cabal of people um, sort of embedded in the world all around you who are yeah, working against you. They're like bad guys, but you can't really see them and you can't really identify them and you can't really find them. Um, but they're bad guys. But then hmm. there's also another element of this in that as as a white person who lives in America, who's just living her life and then learned that there's this, this group of people that hates me for some reason. It's like this, like, oh, I'm I'm doing something wrong by living. Well, how do I how do I uh, not do that anymore? That really oh, makes me identify with that bumbling character. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so knocking sorry. Over things and stumbling into other things. And... I bought this at Rite Aid. I'm so sorry. It and was as, on as we find sale. Out... <laughs> no, yeah, and as we find out, you know, being uh, as as we find out that everything we do affects something in the wrong way because of the vast ecology of things. I I would go so far to to say I think I think the terrorism bit is very is a very uh, concrete aspect compared to there's a far greater abstract sense I think uh, in the world. Um, especially among you know the the middle class and and in developed people in developed countries, is that just everything you do seems to affect something in a really adverse way. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, you're driving your car, and that's not good. And then like uh, there was you buy clothes at the Gap, and that's not good. Yeah, where's your produce? Is it fair trade? I can't believe you're doing this to these people. Seriously, so we all just have go, you oh heard God, about how they treat? <laughs> and yeah, it's like. Uh... How much white guilt should I be feeling? Because hmm. I don't really know what what's happening in the world. Because I'm just a person. I'm so sorry, but I don't know how sorry I am. But I'm really sorry. I think I, I really just tell me how sorry to be, and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, I think the one aspect of wish fulfillment, though, then in a film noir, is that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean the the protagonist is still an important character to the the story, right? Uh, they become central in some way or another. Like the 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 bad guys are after him or something along those lines, right? You know, I would say no to that. Mm, I would say okay. most commonly, what happens is the the movie spends almost every scene, if not every scene, with the protagonist, like following them. But the story is with the Maltese Falcon. Uh, this is the the MacGuffin. Yeah. Is that right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, is that right? The story is with the bad guys. Like, that's where the interesting stuff is happening. Mm, interesting. Does that make sense? That's where the action is. Like, that's where the, the plot development is really happening. But we're following this guy and then finding out about these plot developments at way after the fact. Because this guy is just kind of, like, trying to get into the story somehow. Right. But he so doesn't really know what that story like is. Beat up a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I sp- I don't think that's the ideal way to think of ourselves, but I I can see uh <laughs> I can see how how we often do think of ourselves as we're nothing but the lens upon which uh we we gaze upon the world and uh get beat up a lot by it. And we wonder what's happening there and we have no idea. No idea <laughs> what it is. <laughs> oh, this is a real downer. I feel like I feel like we've wound ourselves into a very uh sort of egocentric and depressed uh, version of uh, interpretation of film noir. It's also just cool, right? Like, isn't it cool? I it's think it's beautiful. cool. It's really I lo- beautiful. I love the machinations and all the stuff going on. What is your favorite film noir film? 
Oh, see, but you're gonna you 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 are so familiar with with this genre that you're just gonna be like, what that? Uh, no, no, because... no. I kind of love them all. Well, because I don't think I don't think I'm actually familiar with a film noir film as much as I am familiar with yeah all all of the offshoots. Uh, you know, some some real deep uh deep cut of Godard in the French New Wave. No, uh, gosh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, let's bring in the neo noir and the the tech noir and the cartoon noir. Oh, I can't think of any right now. Do you want to go first? Oh, sure. My favorite noir is The Third Man. I think mm. that's just the perfect film. I know. Um, I need to see it still. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what they say in the J.J. Ho podcast. Just it's, if it's you see movie. it when you get around to it, don't stress yourself out about it because mm. then you'll never see it. You'll develop a feeling of hate for it for no reason. Right. Um, okay. But it, it, I really think it's the perfect film. Um, Orson Welles shows up uh, at the end of the film and he gives this beautiful speech uh, that was semi-improvised about uh, war and peace and progress and cuckoo clocks and it's just, it's really beautiful. Those are the three things. And it has this really kooky soundtrack that I just love. It's like, it's set in Vienna, so it's like got this like crazy mandolin that's like the only instrument they use in the soundtrack that's just Ooh, cool. super delightful. And there's it's just filled with weird, awkward moments that I really identify with. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, yeah, I think the other thing too uh, that I often identify with uh, in, in film noir is um, it has a uh, it has it, you can see its structure to some extent, you know, um, and so I can I can. In addition to ha seeing a great story, I can also sort of, uh, with my engineer's brain, kind of play around with the, with the, the mechanics of it as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of two two levels going on. It's a game and a oh, story, sure. which yeah. is fun. It's like D and D, but a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I think um, uh, to, to answer your earlier question about uh, favorite film noir film, um, I don't think I'm well versed enough to give a really definitive answer. But I really like that movie Brick. That would count, right? Oh snap! That's a great pick. Yeah. That's Actually, I would movie. say Brick is a great way to get into film noir if you want to check it out. Because mm, um, it has some modern day trappings, but also... It's neo-noir. Well, the thing is that like there's a lot of homages to like classic film noir. Like There's a speech that's taken right word for word from the Maltese Falcon that somebody mm. gives this main character. Um, some sh there's this one shot where he's, a swimming, where he's in a swimming pool that's just straight out of like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, mm. And so there's a lot of homages. So you like watch it and you'll be like, oh, when you were watching these classic films, you'll be like, oh, man, that's from Brick. Oh, wait, no, Th this goes to Brick. <laughs> <laughs> out of time. It's, it's movies out of time. It's the, the wonder yeah. of stored archival material. So, yeah, kudos for Brick. All right. Well, thank it's you. I'm glad film. I've impressed you at least once. <laughs> and I'm glad we talked about film noir, and I think uh, I think we've talked about it plenty. I think we're both pretty excited about it. And let's yeah. go uh, watch mm -hmm. some uh, some film noir films. Woohoo! All right. Well, that concludes this episode of the Tomb to Fail podcast, and we'll be back next week. Please come back. We think you're cool. Um, we hope you think we're cool. We're just, I, I don't know if it was obvious from the middle of the podcast, but we're really desperate for approval at this point. It's all <laughs> we need to have, and we barely have it. So, until then, when you come back, and just give us, just please, give us a gold star. That's Catherine Kogut over there. Wait, no, we want five gold stars. Five, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. We want an Go iTunes, iTunes for five gold podcast. stars. Give us five uh, matte-colored stars. I don't think they're gold. <laughs> and until um, then, that's Catherine Kogut over there. They're a golden rod. I'm trying to get out of this thing. That's Catherine Kogut okay, over bye. there. Okay, bye!
<laughs> and Tim Dobbs right over here. Bye. Oh, they almost forgot my name. Bye. Take me home. I'm feeling stressed. Put down your phone and I'll tell you what's happening next. Honey, you're passing the test. She sees what she wants to see.